the most embarrassed I've ever been turning on YouTube TV on a Friday night. And it's like, would you like to watch this on Friday night like you usually do? It's like, oh no, what is, what has happened? <laughs> yeah, I guess, goddammit. Iron Brains, a podcast that is nearly constantly consuming the podcasts, articles, books, tweets, radio and television hits and interviews, and all manner of other varied and assorted squelchings from the great content maw as produced by our chattering class. A group of highly educated and credentialed and subject matter experts who have devoted their intellectual lives to understanding and talking about the complex workings of American media and government and concluded that, oh, holy shit, what a terrible mistake, that almost nothing they think to say out loud or write down for purpose of publication has any actual impact on the world as it is around us, and that everyone in that particular line of business should probably just shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. That said... My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host, that's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here, too. How you doing, Lori? Yep, good. Yep, Lori's good. Tonight is Monday, July 25th, 2022. Recording on a Monday tonight, Abe, as used to be our want, and then the, yeah. the summer sloppiness got a hold of us, and we just all willy-nilly, whatever we want to do. But <laughs> It's just you. Yeah, it's my problem. On Monday, though, here we are, because if I, if I put it off even a night this week, I realized, well, Abe's going to be here on Friday, so if, if we don't record on Monday, and I'd say, let's just record on Tuesday, I'll get to Tuesday, I'll be like, but then I'll be listening to me and Abe talk like three or four or five six hours on wednesday while i do the edit and then i'll only have like then you won't want to see him 48 anymore. hours right. to clear abe out of my consciousness before he <laughs> knocks on my door at five eleven on friday evening and it's just too much so i gotta get it done right. hopefully quickly tonight so that we can move along with our lives and then put the children to bed yeah put the children we let it's summertime so the kids are upstairs watching star wars movies while we record the podcast and then we can oh, nice. put them to bed afterwards i guess we'll record this weekend when you're here we don't have to we don't have to but again what is a social visit if it's not ultimately recorded and then disseminated to a wider audience and i I don't know. That's right. I wouldn't know how to have a friendship. Yes, you would. You have friends. <laughs> but for subsequently turning it into content for the great Ma. What have you been up to this week, Abe? Anything fun? Uh, not much. Uh, on Saturday, I, was, I went to hang out with uh, some friends at a bar. And uh, as you would do in a bar, we're playing categories. And uh, this other group next to us, they apparently, I don't know. Lived under a rock. They've never heard of this game. And they're like, what's all this ruckus that you guys are making? And so we had to sit there and explain like the whole concept of the game. Wait, when, once and you said we're playing categories, that wasn't enough? They No. They, first, were, were they, they were young? Like, what is were that? they like 19? Well, to be fair, no. They were 
uh, you know, like in their late 20s or early 30s, you know, it's kind of hard to gauge. But uh, the, the main person asking the questions that were from another country. Okay. So I was like, well, maybe, you know, I don't know. Colombia doesn't have this. Uh, but what, what triggered the, all these questions were, uh, you know, these games, they had these buzzers. And it was making this weird noise during the 60-second or 90-second thing. They're like, what is that noise? Right. And so we had to first explain that and then explain the game. And then they decided to stick around to so to play referee to see what's accepted. Nice. I don't know. I like very that. Li- that's a good. That's was, a good team actually to have around. Yeah. <laughs> no, they should have joined in. This is they don't get to referee the game that they just stumbled upon. <laughs> well, this is that sounds like a pedantic, played... obnoxious nine-year-old showing up to the no, bar. Yeah. <laughs> it was always nice when we had Chris Mayo being like the decider of whether or not the answer was valid. Yeah, I guess. Right. No. Shout out Chris Mayo. Yeah. So we're doing a lot of that. Speaking of which, my sister, my sister, listener, now she's like taking the, Corey hasn't said anything about the show in a few weeks. I don't know if he's got the summer off and he's, what he's doing, but my sister sent me a text from a thing that she saw at NewJersey.com. Unfortunately, this is a paywalled article, so I only get the first two articles or the first two paragraphs. NewJersey.com is what, like a media outlet I don't know thing? what's or confusing that about that for you. Out? Well, it's nj.com. It is some sort of a media outlet, yes. Okay. And it's, let's see, I currently have eight windows open and at least 10 or 12 tabs per, including one that's got a solid, like, 30. <laughs> so I'm gonna, it's going to take me a second to find this. When you say you're getting ready to do this show. When I say I'm getting ready to do the show, what I mean is I've got a document open where I write my stupid intro. And then in theory, below that is supposed to be a rundown of all of the things that I want to talk about in general order. But what ends up happening is that that just explodes into about 80 different tabs. And I'm not exaggerating but at the moment. why would you have more than one browser window open? Because sometimes it, in my head, I think if I open this you into a new window, me help you. then I will know. No, you're wrong. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely wrong. All right, here's the headline right, yeah. from NJ.com. <laughs> a pilot program will use lattes and cold brew to treat New Jersey's growing cocaine problem. Okay. So uh, the bottom line here is that there's a nonprofit it's called Integrity House that has a $400,000... <laughs> integrity. Yeah, integrity. A $400,000 contract with the State Division of Mental Health and Addiction Services that will give out gift cards to, like, Starbucks and ice cream shops and Dunkin' Donuts or what have you, to people who are in recovery from being addicted to stimulants, like cocaine and methamphetamine, in the hopes, I guess, that uh, sweet treats full of caffeine and Other uh, stimulants. legal stimulants will keep them from going down to fucking Newark and getting an eight ball or something. You know, not to poo-poo like uh, a new initiative, but and I don't know much about this sort of thing, but it sounds inadequate and naive to think that <laughs> readily available like coffee and, and ice cream is going to fix it. I don't How does this work? What I think is going to happen is there's going to be a thriving black market in uh, Starbucks and Ben & Jerry's gift cards for... <laughs> For receiving, uh, you know, in exchange for small amounts of crack cocaine. 
<laughs> By the way, uh, you, you may uh, be saying that as a joke, but uh, and this could also be made up, but there was a t- TV show on Hulu about uh, the epidemic uh, that was going on. I think it was called Dope Set. Yeah, everybody likes uh, with, it. And there was a scene where like the doctor got hooked on the, the drug that they were prescribing, and he had to go to one of these meetings you know, where they all get in a circle and talk about their problems. And somebody who was pushing the drugs went there. So if somebody is willing to stoop that low to go to one of those Didn't meetings Jesse where people do are trying that to Breaking Bad? Yeah, it was a Breaking Bad Prob- plot yeah. point as well. Yeah. Jesse well, goes to right. the NA meeting in order to push meth. Right. So if people are willing to stoop to that level, they will definitely go to Starbucks and other places that offer these deals. So this is not going to It's also work. a plot point in the movie or the book and the movie Choke, the Chuck Palahniuk book where the guy goes to sex addict anonymous meetings in order to get laid. <laughs> Pretty common theme, I guess, in a lot of the media that I consume for some reason. The enterprising mind. As long as we're on the theme of me not being able to find anything, as we were discussing before we started recording, I had something to talk about at the start of the show. It was about it was in the in the general sort of story tag of our bogus future. It's a sort of a, a, a segment that we sort of sometimes do on the show here. And it was a story of some product or development in technology that came out that just that was it was very clear in reading about this thing that it was taking something that functioned fine and making it worse, but it was being right. presented as a great development for for all mankind basically that 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 this was a way to make life better, but instead it actually just makes shit worse like my favorite example of this is is simply the the battery like the lithium specifically the lithium ion battery i used to have a list somewhere and i can't find it so christ knows where it is but it was a list of all of the products that were made demonstrably worse by sticking a lithium ion battery in them and like unplugging them from the wall and the only thing that was on the pro side of the ledger because it was a long list of shitty products that were made worse by the addition of the battery basically it was just the laptop computer with the exception of the laptop computer which like allowed for great portability and you higher productivity and you didn't have to like you're in a coffee shop you don't need to find a fucking thing in the wall like yes i can see in that one case where the laptop the computer was made better by the addition of the lithium-ion battery but like literally everything like my fucking headphones are the classic example of this for me which is now the google the pixel 6 that i have doesn't have a a headphone jack in it so i was forced into having the 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 bluetooth wireless headphones which are it's a product that is designed to go bad and be thrown away or be lost yes. like the there's the only I'm using right now you could use with your phone what do you mean they have a USB C plug right but then you need a, an extra jack it plugs into the bottom but the that's not the point the point is not that there is a workaround for the Pixel 6 that allows me to then plug headphones in the point is that the headphone the the product itself was a perfect right. fucking thing, and it was cheap, and you weren't gonna lose it. And yeah, sometimes your wire got tangled, I guess, and that's annoying. Right. But like, they would wear right. down. And maybe sure, eventually, after many years, but, they wear down. And they're also relatively cheap. These right, so the ones that did, I'm wearing yeah. for this are like, right. they were like nine dollars, right. and they're made right. by an actual brand. They're 
fucking they're made by Panasonic, right? Like, it's a, right. and it's a they've been great <laughs> for years. And I can take if I need to, I take the foam piece off and I can replace it or like rinse it out because it gets smelly because I get all worked up when I'm screaming about the internet here on my podcast. And I, right. Let's talk about the smell. Of you don't your want headphones. smelly headphones, Abe, and so you can, <laughs> which is which is gross, but it's way less gross than the shit that gets into my earbud headphones that I have to like yes. scrape out with a toothpick or they something. They make Bluetooth headphones that. Don't go in your ears. Yeah, yeah. Just like you're the, wearing- this is you're getting like Apple. Th- th- these things, they they fucking if they don't lose them, then all of a sudden after two years, the battery just completely shits out of them, and you have to replace them. And they're not cheap. They're like hundreds of dollars. So there's no way. Right. There's not a single argument that can be made that says that removing the wire and adding a lithium ion battery to the headphone made it a better product. You could argue, I right. guess, I that the noise canceling thing made it better in certain circumstances, but overwhelmingly, it's the case that adding a battery to headphones just made the product worse. Right. Speaking of uh, making a product worse, and we've talked about this before, but uh, I'm reminded because one of our, one of my friends bought a uh, a Tesla. But you remember the uh, the lack of physical buttons on the thing, yes. right? On, on the, and so I I, I sent you guys the inside of the my friend's car but basically it says nothing except this stupid screen right and so like if you're driving down the street i think bob you're saying you can't feel your way through it 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 actually is a worse experience and then if there's a short if there's a short and the screen stops working what the fuck do you do (laughs) you're fucked (laughs) yeah so it's like there there are a lot of these kind of things where it's like hey this thing was working fine and let's make it more like newer but the newer is you have to kind of depend on it to work at all times instead of it being a low-tech reliable product like a knob right how about the common wristwatch made demonstrably worse by the addition of a goddamn lithium-ion battery what are we doing here the watch was fine that's it so i'm not i'm not i have a watch i know but i come across i come across as a luddite in many ways i suppose right but uh, the 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 watch thing, uh, the one thing I will say, because I thought these things are expensive and pointless. I just don't want to know what time it is. But I saw somebody, like, at their home. I was just kind of sitting there. I forget what I was doing. <laughs> did but they know Did they, they know you were there, Abe? <laughs> they, they invited me in, yes. It was okay. all on the up and up. But they answered their phone with their watch somehow. Yeah. Like, they had some sort of thing. So I was like, okay, well, it's not entirely useless. And people can now have their runs without their phones like you can basically get all your yeah running information it depends on the person people do use their smartwatch as a way to have less time on their phone okay oh i see yeah it like for some people it's like that way i'm not looking at my yeah you know why you know why because some fucking asshole put a lithium-ion battery in a phone 30 years ago (laughs) and said, yeah, this is going to make things way better. And now we got to put it in the fucking watch, too, so we don't have to look at the lithium-ion battery phone that's in our pockets. Tell me how life is better with the lithium-ion battery, I dare you. I'm I'm not saying it's better. I'm just saying calm down. No, this is an old take of mine. It's a good hot take to get excited about. (laughs) That's right. Anyway, this podcast the, wasn't going to have takes. The it's, there's no takes on this podcast. I don't know what you're you talking about. Said. I said no such thing. <laughs> the point is, is that I uh, I have completely forgotten and 
looking through a hundred fucking tabs on multiple devices, all with lithium-ion batteries, it must be said, uh, none of which have revealed to me the thing that I was going to talk about here to lighten the mood and talk about at the top of the show. So that's 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 what I got. It's our bogus future. We're all wrapped up in one neat little <laughs> bow there. Could I, uh, since we have a half a second, uh, to th- uh, this is more just uh, a caution to everybody because I've, I've noticed there's been an uptick in uh, stories revolving around animals attacking humans. Like, I don't know if you've You see the one in Japan? The monkeys in Japan? Monkeys in Japan attack like four to two people, right? Okay. There's that that humpback whale or whatever that crashed down <laughs> on the boat. On that boat. was definitely on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> that was definitely a purposeful attack. There were those seals that were kind of yeah. harassing the beachgoers. There's... Um, the shark attacks, like there seems to be like an uptick um, of like neither maybe of you responded to my text today. What was your text? Oh, the owl, yeah, the fucking owl that killed and then that the lady. Owl. Yes, I was gonna get to that, yeah, but there, there seems to be uh, a concerning amount. I'm sure we deserve it. I mean, I know yeah. humans are we're kind of dicks, but like, what's going on? We've been dicks for all this time. Why, hey, what's with the there's an change? obvious answer here, and it was almost certainly mentioned in at least half of the stories that you just referenced and the answer is it's because of climate change abe oh is it <laughs> but you yeah, know the hot. shark attack off. apparently shark attack the shark attack ones are like a success story because the bodies of water in different places have been cleaned up to the point where they're now these little baby sharks or these teen sharks can swim around it so there's been like a higher population of sharks and they're like hey let's start biting people uh but yeah maybe the rest are uh climate change stuff i don't know i don't know there's something about the the temperature of the water nearer to shore and the re- like because of the higher temperatures as oh, a result of climate sense, yeah. change now the sharks are coming like i don't know whatever there's nothing that i mean there are plenty of things that fire off the bullshit detector when i'm uh, making my way through the content maw as expressed by the the opening that i had today uh, but for some reason, it's like this red flashing sign in my face whenever I see a completely unfalsifiable claim in a story about the weather or an animal attack or whatever the fuck it is. And it concludes with a totally fact-free assessment that experts say that this is a result and we can expect to see more of this because of climate change. It's like, eh, is, give me way, either way, way more of what it is that you're talking about in terms of like referring to actual facts and, and things in the world that are true or just leave right. it the fuck out. Because you, right. all you're doing is you're, first of all, you're turning me off completely in terms of both the, the fact that I don't believe you and also if that's the case, if this is just one more in a long list of things that as we talked about last week then there's just nothing we can fucking do and like what are we gonna like and what what can i possibly do crush my aluminum can and make sure it goes in the right bin like is that gonna stop the shark attacks no (laughs) of course not (laughs) fuck you asshole right exactly and in fact there was a a recent story that, that, that was done i think on cbs where most of the plastic recyclables aren't actually recyclable like it takes so much effort to do that it kind of messes up the whole process but are you saying that yeah plastic not aluminum and not glass right but the way you know the way they add they present uh, most products is like it just has that stupid like right. recyclable no, thing it's, and it's basically it's, if it there. has a one or a two on it it's easily recyclable right. and then like the vast majority of everything else is not right but i suspect most people just look at the sign and right. not the number most and they just assume it's all 
treated the same. But are, are you saying that they tag climate change to everything? Because if it's like frequent drought conditions, frequent uh, hot as shit conditions, those are, you can safely say, yeah, that's probably the climate change stuff. But you, they're not adding it to just random stuff, are they, to the stories? I mean, any, like I said, anything about shark attacks and uh, oh. like that sort of thing. I don't know. And even with yeah. the weather stuff, like it's just, it's become, you do not need to, it's the same thing that happened with the, with the racial reckoning is that you can just refer to structural racism. You can just refer yeah. to any, like, and you can always just say, oh, well, this is because of climate change and nobody makes a fucking peep. Like it's just, right. it's understood in certain circles that you can just say that without having to actually convince anybody of anything. And you can just make utterly unfalsifiable claims about the world. And as long as you're on the right team, then it, it goes unchallenged in your, in your bubble. That, yeah, I think that's true. Some media outlets are sometimes – they give you additional context. I saw the, something in Phoenix where – I don't know why people live there, uh, but people live there. And uh, apparently they had 50 days where the, it was 110 degrees or higher over the last year and like 30 days or 28 days where at night it didn't get below 90. Like both those are like right. – it hasn't happened before. So there's like enough of a sample to say that this is not like – an one very hot day. It's just like it's right. constantly. We're having at we're having level. right now here a pretty hot week, and the the reason that I say that it is it's unusually hot is because usually the the th the first thing that I noticed here about summers in Virginia when we moved from Georgia is that after the sun went down, it's like nine ten o'clock at night. You could step outside under your front porch. And it would be nice. It would be like seventy degrees, it's okay. like pleasant, and it wouldn't yeah. be like oppressively humid. It's not it, worse outside. Than in a sweaty bar. Right. So when even I in was in the sweaty bar, I remember stepping outside for some fresh air. Don't do that. It's worse. <laughs> Stay in the sweaty bar. Right. And so, but like getting up here, you open the door and even in the dead of summer, July and August, it would still be nice at nighttime outside on a, like not every night, but like consistently. That Most was the nights. big difference between stepping outside of your apartment in Athens, Georgia at 1030 at night. And it's like, oh God. Yeah. And, the, and the air conditioning <laughs> yeah. just stays on all night long because like there's, it's just way too hot outside. So that's what's been going on here this week is it's been like 95, 97 degrees with the, you know, it feels like up to like oh, don't tell me how to feel. 103. <laughs> I hate that. I know. <laughs> tell you how it fucking feels. But it's not dipping below like 85 overnight. So it never gets below this 85 with like rancid humidity the entire time. And that's been very unpleasant. And yeah, I get that. That's actually how they determine what a heat wave is. Is it's not the it's not the highs, it's the the consistent highs and the fact that it's not cooling off overnight and it's keeping the temperature elevated. So it's like the consistent temperature above a certain number. That's how they determine what a heat wave is. Right. And I just don't, I it like, just ended. And this is a, it's a sort of facile point and I recognize that and I'm not at all a subject matter expert. And so you can feel free to ignore me and laugh at me and call me a Luddite stupid person who doesn't believe philosophy things. in college, but the, Notion that we're hitting like it was as hot today as it was as it's been since 1937 in Chicago or 1908 in Southern California. It's like, all right, so you're telling me that after a hundred fucking years of burning a just unconscionable amount of fossil fuels directly into the atmosphere and and contributing to the greenhouse effect and all of that, we're just matching what we did a hundred fucking years ago. Yeah. Like, <laughs> all right. 
it does undercut the larger point when you do focus on just one day, well, right? Yeah. Because like, yeah, whenever they it, mention like record whatever, like the inter- yeah. capital weather gang affiliated with Washington Post does much more interesting. Like it hasn't been this many days above this many degrees ever. Yeah. And this is right. the fifth year in a row we've been able to right. say that. And I'm not saying but, it's not real. I I, I fully believe that anthropomorphic or was it anthropogenic or it's not anthropomorphic. Humans are causing yeah that okay. humans humans are having an impact on global climate. I do not doubt right. that, and that there is policy that can be affected that will make a difference on the long run in terms of the global climate. I just would like to see those policies made very specific and in granular detail and like affected in the way that we talked about last week with the with the acid rain and the right and the ozone that sort of thing and also yeah i I do think you are right overall because like if you do make these lazy points you're almost kind of giving ammunition to people who wish to deny it's like what do you mean like the almanac said this happened in 1926 or whatever and we were still okay like and so you have to kind of give the bigger picture, the trend lines are right. it's also, concerning. It's, it would also be worth acknowledging, even if it's not like a thousand, if it's not a hundred percent true, but like, is it possible that climate moves in these great big cycles and that there was a, there were fucking ice ages, however many tens of hundreds of thousands of years ago and that all of North America was covered in glaciers and like, can't we just level with our fellow humans and say, look, the earth's going to change and it's going to fucking suck. And like 90%, 95% of the species that exist on this earth, whether we do anything, we, we could cease all fossil fuel stuff like this very moment. And we would still see like mass die offs at some point in the next, say, let's just say 10,000 fucking years. Right. So right. let's acknowledge that and say like uh, humans aren't likely to survive on the long term on this planet. But here's what we can do to possibly mitigate, like have some fucking humility and recognize right. that. We're in this very unique and unusual position of being able to live incredibly prosperous and safe lives on this planet, relatively speaking, right? Uh, caveat uh, all of the necessaries there. But that it would, I think that you could go a long way. Because I was thinking this week about like what I would like to see in the messaging that I think would actually communicate with a, a greater number of people. And it is, it's like highly specific ways in which their lives can be materially improved by technological advances that do not rely on the burning of fossil fuels, right? And that, that could be in a, a, a transformation to a, a nuclear-based uh, energy grid where you have you aim to have 250 of these fucking uh, small nuclear reactors come on board over the course of the next century or something like that. And that allows you to say, okay, we'll dig up a whole bunch of coal in West Virginia over the course of the next 50 to 100 years, right? But at some point, we need to recognize that either A, we're going to run out of goddamn coal in the mountains of West Virginia, or uh, or, what was the other option? Uh, <laughs> or B, the world's going to fucking end because we keep uh, burning all of this shit. But either way, like it's not like your grandkids, grandkids, grandkids have to rely on uh, digging coal out of a mountain in order to survive. There are other ways of being in the world than digging coal out of a mountain in West Virginia. I haven't looked into this, but uh, is climate refugees a big concern the second half of this century? Like, Is there going to be a point where like there could be like a place like Phoenix and different parts of the world where it's just too fucking hot right there's just you just can't live there people probably shouldn't have been living there in the first place but people will need to move 
from those locations to somewhere where they're not going to just die. Like, is that a concern or is that just in so, my head? Like, is that a- just to real quick wrap up on the messaging part, even if it is, then we, that needs to be packaged as, and it's not your fault. Like it's, there's not, oh, a, yeah. there's not any, like there's no amount of shaming. Cause that's the, the consistent piece that I get from reading and, and following this and whether it's traditional news media or if we're following it online is that is the underlying current of guilt and shame that they're constantly using to try to push the agenda. And like, maybe it's just my natural disinc- my, my, my disinclination towards religion and specifically the religion that I was raised with, which is Catholicism, which traffics in a great deal, by the way, of guilt and shame. As as does Judaism, as does the the particular religion from which you have sprung, oh, and, the Muslims, uh, yes, right. The, the, it's a it's a feature of these religions that they use guilt and shame, and, and it's not surprising that our modern religions, the as we largely become a more secular society here in the West, whether it's the Black Lives Matter sort of religious aspect of the, the the unfalsifiable nature of those claims coupled with a great deal of guilt and shame for everyone else or the or the climate stuff is also a lot of guilt and shame and i i don't think that that's a mistake but i also don't think it's particularly effective and certainly certainly no. and it and it what it also does compoundingly it allows people who take these sort of utterly meaningless small steps in their lives whether it's composting or or uh, feeling good about themselves because they drive a, a hybrid or something along those lines to say well i'm doing my part what the fuck's wrong with you why right. why do you drive the f-150 you're the problem i'm trying to make a difference here when in terms of like carbon footprint most people have basically like your carbon footprint is a function of your Americanism and where you right. li- like where you happen to live, whether you live in a city or whether you live in a in a rural place, and where you live on the globe compared to you know being in in Kenya or something like that. So basically, you're saying like no one individual has really any agency for this collective problem. Basically, it's just like, it needs to be like a bigger effort than just right. one person. It needs to be politics. It doesn't need to be guilt right. and shame and religion. Because right. yeah, right. I do, because I take daily steps. I think like my brain is profoundly broken in this way where I think about like, if I knew the relative carbon impact of the piece of saran wrap that I'm going to tear off the roll compared to putting it into a Tupperware that then goes into the refrigerator that I then have to wash later, like, which is better? Like is washing the Tupperware better or worse than wrapping the onion in a piece of saran wrap that then gets thrown away? Because on the one hand, one is not using any additional energy, right? Because it's just saran wrap that I've already fucking bought and lives in my like it's already it's a piece of end use that I've already bought and it's right. going to be used or not whereas with the Tupperware I, I keep washing it right so I don't, I don't know where the calculus comes out on that but the point is is that it doesn't make me any better or worse person I mean it fundamentally obviously makes me a crazier person than the guy who doesn't <laughs> fucking think about it can you say that that you're it makes you a more considerate person. It may not have any impact in the grand scheme of things, but at least you're more considerate. Yeah, what does that get anybody? But how does that help? Know, but it's okay, just so, like reading uh, news. Who does it help? Right. But, you know, like, I wonder if there's some – this behavior at home translates to other behavior outside. Because I know some uh, uh, friends, I won't name them, but they uh, – they litter like needlessly when we go. We're at the park, you know. We're sitting wait, down, wait, wait. and you got like. Are these aren't the same friends that don't tip? <laughs> it could be some overlap. But that, 
there, there are people. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> but I wonder. <laughs> I wonder if anyway, uh, they're people. Yeah. So, like, at least there is the hey. If you if you were out and about, you wouldn't leave your stuff just laying around the, the park or the wherever. Like, you know, people at you go to a hiking trail, people are just throwing stuff on the ground. It's weird. Right. Uh, like, and what's yeah. funny is that like if if you go big picture and full nihilist, it's like yeah. I mean. Fucking who cares whether your piece of plastic trash ends up on like a trail off of Stone Mountain or it ends up on a literal garbage mountain in the South China Sea, right? Like right. ultimately no, it doesn't fucking matter. And in, in, on, in one respect, there's a – at least it's in front of your face here where you have to deal with it. Like when I take my right. piece of plastic trash and I put it in the trash can, which I do every time because I – like most normal uh, civilized people, you take your yeah. fucking trash and you throw it away. What the fuck is wrong with you, you Bare fucking minimum. savage? Yeah. Like yeah. that's that's <laughs> terrible. Put it in the goddamn trash. But at the same time, like – all I'm doing is hiding the problem. I just don't want to yeah. see the problem. Yes. My thing, whenever it's like, we're not, you shouldn't use the plastic bags and you should use a reusable straw. All I can think is don't make reusable straws and don't make, like, it shouldn't yeah. be on me. It should right. be on the <laughs> industry. And I say that as a person who has worked for a, like, top hundred sustainable brands like it's not yeah. that hard for the right. industry to just do it differently. They just don't right. want to because they're lazy. Right. Well, I've always said on the, I'm sure I've said it here on the podcast before that, like the cost of a bottle of Coca Cola should be the the cost of dispose of disposing of that piece of trash should be built into the cost of buying it. And I don't understand why we've allowed corporations to get away with selling us disposable pieces of shit for so long. You know how uh, there's uh, caloric information now? Yeah. I don't think it's done much to make most people change their behavior, but, you know, it's, I, I find it helpful. Do you think that uh, if they added a true cost to, no, they to things, care. like, it, it wouldn't make a difference? Even though it's like a buck ninety you're paying for the no. soda, it's actually no, they $4 wouldn't, worth of shit. They wouldn't shit. read it. Have you ever read yeah. signs? People don't read signs. They're certainly not right. going to read about something that they don't they don't even know what that means. Yeah. It will just it will yeah. just lead to more yeah. of the same People will get of, annoyed. The, of the sort of like yeah. uh, I'm better than you are because I buy the glass bottle or whatever instead of the plastic one when ultimately the problem is much bigger than any one of our individual choices can really make a difference in. Oh, and there's a lovely Oh, let's see if I can find it. We don't need we don't need a handful of people doing zero waste perfectly. We need millions of people doing it imperfectly, which is something that you can tell yourself. Like, it doesn't have to be perfect. It's you do. Yeah, it doesn't can. have to be perfect. But like, when you get into like single stream recycling, which just ends up being, oh, it's, yeah, it's just all going to the dump. Yeah, but that's not like, your fault. You're <laughs> right, but doing that's a, what you can. But that is millions of people doing the best that they can with the policy choices that have been placed in front of them, and you know, it's just not. It's not the answer. Anyway, I don't know how we got off on that particular tangent, but it's not too far afield from what I want to talk about here, which, Abe, you'll recall yes. a few months ago when the... That's asking a lot, but go ahead. When, when the first quarter GDP <laughs> numbers came out and they were, there was negative growth, right? And I said, uh, get ready because we're going to be headed into recession when the next set of numbers come out. And you, you poo-pooed. 
Oh, Abe? I still am poo-pooing. You, you poo-pooed that there would be consecutive quarters of negative growth. Therefore, uh, that the United States would be in a recession. Why don't they now, call it shrinkage? Because it's negative growth. There's a, a good joke that I put on Facebook years ago about there were banks. This was when during the Spanish and the Greek banking and debt crises were going on in Europe. And we moved here? there were European banks that were offering negative yield bonds, uh, which is where, you know, it basically I give a German bank $100 and then six months later they give me $95 and I say, thank you very much. <laughs> that's, that's what a negative yield investment is. And they were selling this as a financial product. And that's when I, on Facebook, opened up the uh, the Bank of Bob offering negative yield <laughs> investment accounts where I guaranteed a return of 95 cents on every dollar invested, which I, I just don't, I don't understand how that can be an actual investment vehicle. Uh, I don't understand it either, but I guess it's like they, they just they, – they need that action to keep the financial market circulating money. Right, like, and it was a, a it sheer terror of what could be coming in terms of collapse where you were so terrified of what could be happening to the financial system that you would be willing to f- hand over $100 on the promise that you would get $99 back uh, six months from now or what have you. So, you know, if we're doing these dumb gimmicks, why not go with my even dumber gimmick of a hot potato economy? You know, just the currency has expiration. You have to spend it. You can't just sit on it. Speaking of which, I wonder, actually, and I'm not an economist, notably, but I wonder (laughs) if in in times of high inflation, (laughs) such as we're experiencing now, if something like a negative yield investment vehicle makes sense, if you can time it to where you're forking over $100 now and getting $99 back later, if inflation falls by right. that same percentage or more in that six-month period, then it's not when, – when, when you do both maths, then it's not actually negative yield. Right. But anyway, that, that's a made-up problem for an Econ 101 class that I um, – Okay, well, that's well, my next, next class. Next month you will be taking an Econ yeah. 101, so – We'll so, hold on to that one. But, there, but at this point, there really is – I mean, I, I know there was uh, some talking about this upcoming quarter also being negative. But it's going to be a positive number, right? No, no, no. So here's where, here's where for I'm, down going, the road. I, I, so I'm going to give you an opportunity to uh, be wrong but also <laughs> be right with Janet Yellen, okay? okay. Because here's what I will – because I, I was I was positive this is back months ago. I don't know. I'm not sure which episode it was, but you can go back and listen to all 100-plus episodes of Cast Iron Brains at some point to hear me talking about this. But I was fairly certain that we were going to be in the midst of a recession because, of course, when you hear these sorts of things, it's it's backwards-looking. It's uh, Any talk that you see in the media about, is there a recession on the horizon? That's nonsense. Either we are in a recession right now and we don't know it, or there's not a recession happening. That's how we determine these things. Because, Abe, what is the traditional and sort of colloquial definition of the one, the the working definition that everyone has for what it means to be in a recession? So as far as I understand, it's two consecutive quarters of negative growth, that oxymoron, the negative growth. Right. Is that you have two consecutive quarters of negative growth. And, you know, I'll be honest, a couple of weeks ago, because I've been thinking about this, I wasn't positive that we were going to be 
uh, fulfill my prediction that we were going to be in recession. And then a couple of the like the, I think the Atlanta Fed maybe or maybe the Denver I don't remember. There was one of the one of the Feds that does early numbers and early guesses put out something that said, eh, we probably expect slight negative growth in the second quarter. It's not it's not a guaranteed number. We find out uh, this Thursday, I believe, uh, July 28th is when the next the next numbers come out and we'll, we'll we'll get the official GDP for the second quarter, which, of course, ultimately gets adjusted uh, moving forward. But preliminary GDP numbers come out this week and we will find out whether or not we are in recession as defined, uh, generally speaking, for as long as I've been around uh, two consecutive uh, quarters of negative growth in gross domestic product. Uh, Janet Yellen went on television, specifically Meet the Press, at least, if not also another of the Sunday shows, and insisted. You might even say she she presented some alternative facts for what a recession (laughs) is, because she said that uh, she argued that much of the economy remains healthy, consumer spending is growing, Americans' finances on average are solid, and the economy has added more than 400,000 jobs a month this year, a robust figure. The unemployment rate is 3.6%, near a half-century low, strong labor market. She said, this is not an economy that's in recession. Now, uh, this was with Chuck Todd pushing back on her saying, yes, but if there are two consecutive quarters of negative, that's just... That's just what a recession is, right? And she was like, no, no, we have a strong economy and we're not going to base this on just one figure. And Abe, what this is, this is is just pure distilled bullshit. It's It's not precisely a lie, but it's sort of the definition of what people talk about when they talk about uh, like before Trump, when we talked about ah, politicians are always lying. It's just spin bullshit. If there are two consecutive quarters of negative growth, that means we're in a recession. It doesn't matter how you try to wiggle your way around that. It's just a perfect classic example of what political spin and bullshit looks like. Is working with a well-established working definition of something and then saying, yeah, but not really. Right. Did, did uh, Was there a classic definition recession in 2020 during the pandemic, or did it hit one really bad quarter and the second quarter was technically positive, but it was still considered a recession? I don't think I, we I'm were like, in recession in 2020, but I will double check that. I'm pretty sure they called it a recession, that. but uh, it, it didn't meet the standard definition. So I could see it on that end, but if it is too consecutive, I mean, there's no way around it. That's... 100%. I mean, you can have, to, you know, one negative one and then barely a positive report and you can still maybe consider that a recession. But if it's back-to-back negative quarters. It was – so the there was a recession that was considered very short. It was a very deep and very short recession, uh, just two months. Right. Uh, and that was uh, April 2020, so like March, April of 2020 right. before that. So like in an unusual situation like that, you could say, I mean, you just fell off a cliff for like a month and a half and then slowly kind of got back. But in this case, there is no wiggle room. If you do have a second negative quarter, that's it. There's right. No and so by the way, what I'm, what I'm suggesting here is that Janet Yellen has confirmed with 1000% certainty that when that number comes out on Thursday, 
it will be negative because there's no way because she's playing defense. Right, there's no the way that yeah, they send yeah. her out there this weekend to say, you know, two consecutive quarters of negative. Like you don't spew that line of bullshit unless you know what's coming is that we're going to be in a recession. My, my I, I guess I think you probably are right on that. But the way that I'm thinking of it is that they're expecting a recession to hit at the end of the year, early next year. There's basically they're seeing this the way this is trending, and when all of the different factors kind of play out there's gonna be at least two quarters and they're trying to get ahead of that if they have uh, advanced information as to what's going to happen at the end of this week and you know why wouldn't they they probably should come up with a better argument than that like right, ah, right because what know, they're, they're seeing is that what the fed is doing now where there's going to be another rate hike of like 75 base like uh, 0.75 percent interest rate hike by the fed if not a full 1% possibly at the next meeting. Those are recessionary tactics. That's that's the Fed saying we You're kind of— You're trying to induce a recession, basically. Right, that we right? kind of to- sort of are okay with a little bit of negative growth here for a little while in order to tackle inflation. That's what the Fed is after. And so I think you're right. What they are anticipating is that moving forward— there's going to be a couple of quarters, and they don't want to deal with the fact that now we're now we'll have the Republicans will have something to say like uh, the longest recession in forty years or or something right. along those lines, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. Like it, it's it's a classic example in Joe Biden's America of politicians doing politician things in a way that like Trump would have just said, you know, ah, ah, that those are made up numbers. That ah, we actually grew at seven percent right. last year. We're we're growing even faster than China. <laughs> Uh, like you know, this, this is all bullshit. Like he wouldn't have bothered trying to nuance his way around what a recession is or what a recession isn't. It would have just been pure lies. This is more classic political bullshit. The the one thing again, uh, like I said earlier, and you said earlier, not economists, but like just as like just the average person, this doesn't feel like a recession. Like I mean, there's like jobs to be had everywhere. There's everybody's like fighting for the same goods. Like, it seems like it's like a bizarre world economy where like. Everything is busy and high demand and workers are, you know, have a lot of leverage relative to the past and still a recession. Like in my head, I can't square off those two things. I can't reconcile those two things where it's like it looks like everything is fine, except for inflation, obviously. Right. Well, it's almost like it matters when you whatever the number was, you quintuple the money supply in like six months that we talked about on the show a, a few episodes back. Right. I mean, that explains inflation, but like, how does that, infl- why is there a contraction of activity? Yeah, I don't know. In part, maybe because the economy had been overheated last year. And so that what we're comparing it to, right? And that's why they're, they're right. similarly worried about what's going to be happening going forward is because there was such a steep acceleration out of the sudden trough that a little bit of negative growth wouldn't be surprising given the, given what was happening at the same time last year. Right. All right. So we are in the, sort of closing weeks, believe it or not, of democratic control in all likelihood. This that's a slight prediction here. But we are entering the closing weeks of democratic control of the House and the Senate and the White House, right? So they've had since Joe oh, Biden the White House. Right. Since Joe Biden took office, he's had both the White House and Democrats in, in charge in the House and the Senate on November fifth or eighth or whatever the date is this year. In all likelihood, we will have a lame duck, democratically controlled Senate and House as well. Although, where, where are you leaning on that question before we get into the rest of this right now? So the latest 538 forecast now has has it at 50-50 control the Senate, but it's 
85% chance for the Republicans to take over the House. So at the very least, there'll be a divided government, right? Because, I mean, how can they get 85% wrong? Uh, so the House seems like it's going to change. Right. Well, they only, need to, they only need to flip, what, six seats or something yeah, like that? It's, yeah, because the margins were so thin. But yeah, basically, yeah, let me uh, update that. It's 51-49 Senate and 85-15 in the House. This is just a forecast. It's July, but like all signs point to the House is basically out of reach. And it's just a matter of kind of holding on to the Senate. But yeah, I mean, that, that that's basically what I think is going to happen. It seems like the, the Senate's going to stay in the Democrats' control and the House is going to go to the Repu- Republicans. Yeah, and I think that... So it's 100% 85 nothing. We are I'm in Abe basketball prediction territory here. <laughs> Abe national championship territory here. 100% the Democrats will take will lose control of the house and Kevin McCarthy. Right. Actually Although, McCarthy's not 100%, but Republicans yeah, think, will take will take the house. Yeah, something's going to happen where McCarthy's going to lose it again. He's not going to get the, the top spot. Yeah. The least relatable Charlie Brown in history is is Kevin McCarthy getting the football taken away from him. Everybody cheering for Lucy to rip the the speaker right. football away from Kevin McCarthy. Um, but he should know he's not suitable for that role. Come on, Kevin. Well, he does out. not know that. <laughs> he he spent he's how can he not be suitable for that role? He spent the entire last forty years of his public life debasing himself over and over again in order to claim that role. How could he possibly not be suitable for it? Right. Anyway, I asked the question because uh, i i agree they're going to lose the house i believed that they were going to absolutely lose the senate i'm still leaning towards the democrats losing the senate but some of these republican candidates for senate in what should have been slam dunk states for them to either take the seat back or hold like in ohio for example they just won't because of bad candidates like herschel walker cannot be a senator from the state of Georgia. I don't think that he will. There's polling that suggests that that he's trailing Kemp, like, because they're both Republicans, but he's not yeah. keeping up with Kemp by, by a factor. I mean, of course, it's small sample sizes, and right. who knows what polls are, but like 6 to 10% or something like that, right. where he's, he's trailing Kemp by 6 to 10 points, which means he can't beat Warnock in all likelihood. He's just not a very good... I mean, her, I don't know what... <laughs> He doesn't know either. It's yeah, like he, I feel gross talking about it. Yeah. Herschel, who like just hopefully won't be elected, and that's not on a partisan <laughs> question at all. It's like he's just cruel. Yeah, it's just wrong for Herschel Walker to be a United States senator. And <laughs> and hopefully JD Vance won't either. He's had a bogus flap this week where he he said something about how it was better. When people stayed in their marriages 50 years ago, and then he qualified it by saying, yes, even the violent marriages, it would have been better. He qualified it with that? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) He was speaking to like a group of Catholics or something like that. So he thought he was was in the right room for that sort of talk, I suppose. Better for – who is – clearly they don't care about – Likely the woman who. Well, what like he said was, what he said was, end. I'm not, I'm not sure. I, uh, he said something like, I'm ambivalent about whether it was better or worse for the, the husband and wife for the parents. But what he's certain of is that it was worse for the kids in the long run. 
Which right, but there's no way for him to know. That. I mean, you're saying like, well, if of course not. If, if he's <laughs> siding with the people in violent marriages where dad's beating the shit out of mom and presumably beating the shit out of the kids too, and he thinks it's better to stay in that marriage because, like, reasons because he thinks it's better <laughs> I mean, to have a two parent household. If it was good enough for him, he turned out all right. Right, right, but he didn't. He was raised by a single drug addicted mother. Yeah. That's what I don't understand, but especially him. What a little shit. I don't understand this. Oh, just it seems like just for they're saying it just for optics. I don't care how bad it is inside the household. I just want to see that two household stat be higher. Like, to whose benefit? Like, who cares about this stupid stat? Right. It's a confusion of macro and micro. It's a it's a confusion of scale. Like, you can you can both believe that it is generally better. For children to be raised in two-parent households and also recognize – like it's it's possible to hold both of those things in your head at once that abusive and drunk pieces of shit aren't better off around their children Uh, (laughs) and also believe that as a matter of statistical reality that there are better outcomes for children who are raised by two-parent households. Right. But the two-parent household does not take into consideration – the level of violence and disruption. That right, right. It, it just seems like two. I just want two, and I, they better be a man and a woman, not this other stuff. Right. But they don't care about anything else. Like, if you pose the question, like, would you rather a child be raised in a single head of household that's like a stable environment or a disastrous two-person household that they – just to keep up appearances, they go to church on Sundays. But Monday through Saturday – there's a lot of uh, violence and uh, terror. Would you prefer that over the the other example? Because it seems to be like you should focus on having a healthy environment for the child, however that's achieved, right? Yeah. You shouldn't yeah, be obviously. fixated on some stupid number. So yeah, Vance could conceivably lose. I would. Uh, that one looks like more of a coin flip at the moment, and who knows who will step in it worse between now and then. And then the other one that you would have thought would have been relatively easy this time around for Republicans would have been Pennsylvania, right. uh, just based on the momentum of the, the National Democratic Party. But when you nominate Dr. Oz to go up against uh, this Fetterman character, Fetterman who himself like sort of has disappeared for the last few months because he had a stroke. <laughs> We're hoping that the stroked out uh, hospital-ridden Fetterman can outperform Dr. Oz. It's not great for America in general, probably, but... Anyway, who knows what will happen in the Senate. We'll we'll get a clearer picture on that moving forward. I only bring it up because I want to discuss what the Democrats can and will get done in the closing weeks here because there there's like an August recess. Like they basically they're done after they go on right. August recess because then they all got to go home and campaign and then after that it'll be uh, lame duck nonsense and any major pieces of legislation will be absolutely finished basically before labor day you would think so uh we have this week or last week i suppose the democrats passed out of the house what amounts to codifying gay marriage into law some 50 something number of united states house of representative republicans voted for it in addition to uh, 100% of house democrats so it had uh Strong bipartisan support, although not from one guy in particular who voted against the House bill uh, one day and then a few days later, and this is a Republican out of Pennsylvania, attended his gay son's gay wedding uh, right. after voting <laughs> Which... against. <laughs> so that personal bit of small hypocrisy aside, it passed out of the House 
what do you think will happen with this in the Senate? There, right now, there are five confirmed yes votes from Republicans, giving them presumably fifty-five votes right they still now. Need sixty to clear. They need sixty. Are there five more votes among House or among Senate Republicans to to I, codify I, gay I marriage? I don't think so. No, unless you've heard something new, I don't think. That's- All right, so you're guessing no. My guess is that yes, this actually does get done. But Schumer's going to need to go ahead with it without knowing whether or not it's going to pass. As silly as that sounds, because here's what the Republicans won't want to do: is they won't want to have to defend or or acknowledge that vote on CNN or have to defend that vote on Fox. Right. right. So that is that is something that. Uh, more moderate Republicans don't want to have to talk about, but when it comes up on the on the Senate floor, I think that enough of them, maybe five or six or seven more, and then once you get to sixty, it might steamroll a little bit, and you might actually get like fifteen or twenty. I mean, are there even that many gettable votes? I think, think there are about twenty gettable votes. There are there are probably right now, from the latest thing I read, only like eight absolute no's, uh, and it's from. The more obnoxious end of the right. United States Senate, the the Hollies and the Rubio's explanation for why he didn't want he won't vote for it was because it's a waste of time. Right. Like, what, what the fuck are you talking about? Because it's a waste. What are you so busy doing that you wouldn't vote for this? Because like because it's a messaging bill, whether it's a messaging bill or not, this is not something that is codified into federal law. This is right. something that could be overturned as simply as abortion was and it's right. something that and, is perfectly within your purview and and yeah there's a there's an arguable libertarian argument to be made that the federal government shouldn't be involved in marriage one way or another at all and i'm like really sympathetic to that argument but none of these fucking getting- assholes are Right? These, right. This, these are a bunch of fucking theocrats who would love to be intimately involved in your private life in that way. Would that libertarian position mean getting rid of basically any sort of tax, federal tax benefits related to, to families and marriages? Right. That's the and thing. It like immediately that. conflicts with a lot of the other so called family values positions of the Republican right. Party, right? And right. whereas, like, being able to marry, well, whatever, I don't want to get into it argument about gay marriage with theoretical Republicans. But yeah, the Rubio's, Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, like anybody who's ever sniffed the idea of being a Republican nominee for president is not going to be in favor of this all the way down to the Lindsey Grahams of the world. But I still think that there are there are the 10 and maybe even more than that votes to, to pass this out of the Senate. I, I guess the, the one argument for the Republicans voting for this is to kind of get it out of the topics for this midterm, right? Basically, if they're just like, if we just talk about inflation and gas prices, we're doing great. If we're talking about the erosion of like hard fought gains, like abortion rights and uh, gay marriage and what's, what, you know, what's next and this and that, basically if it becomes like, they're just coming after all the stuff that the last 50 years we fought to get, then It'll be a muddier kind of right. Which um, is midterm. I think essentially, which is why that's Mitch McConnell's basic position: is right. this is not a fight that we want to have right now. Well, like or you said last ever. week, like just go. What? What are you talking about? Okay, gays can get married. Whatever. Right. Right. 
Yeah, and I think not a thing, and then it won't be a thing. That'll be my bold prediction that before the end of the year, we will have codified gay marriage in this country out of the United States Senate, and Mitch McConnell will have voted for it. That's my that's my bold prediction. Pound the under on that if you're into gambling. That's no. <laughs> all right. Number two here on what will the Senate do or not do, or what will Congress do or not do? The uh, Collins Mansion election bill. Have you uh, followed this at all? No. What's uh... so the Collins Mansion Electoral Count Reform Act bill? Oh, the Electoral Count Reform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they are going to. It's a it's a series of half measures. It doesn't go as far as a lot of. Democrats would like it to go in terms of a voting, like a full expansion of, of right. voting rights and that sort of thing. But it, but it does plugs some holes, right? right. It, it plugs, plugs some holes in the Electoral Count Act of 1887 or whatever the fuck it was. And it clarifies any alleged ambiguity in whether or not the vice president is just allowed to decide uh, that actually the other guy won or that actually the House should just decide this because of. You know, I don't trust this result going, you know, so something that was largely decided for the previous 240 goddamn years that nobody ever thought that the sitting vice president could decide whether or not his team won and then then make the opposite decision (laughs) up until, you know, roughly January of 2020 when that came into question. So it it fixes that. It eliminates that sort of ambiguity. Anything uh, regarding the you can make up your own slate of electors when things go against right. So there's you. Uh, there's an element of federal judicial review whenever a state, like one one of the five or six bullet points on this bill, says that if there's a state that decides to dump the electors as popularly elected and instead go with a different slate of electors, that that goes like automatically to a federal court. Okay. And so some of the Republican objection is to that, that you're taking power away from states to run elections as they see fit, and it uh, it then goes to the federal court. Anyway, so the question is, uh, will the Collins Mansion Electoral Count Reform Act bill be passed into law before uh, Labor Day? Or you know, I think it, that one will, yeah. Because it's like so watered down that like you should have an, enough broad support for that. And to right. point so this to is like, another hey, one that McConnell has all – he's not quite endorsed it, but he's all but signaled his support for it because that was the main thing that he seemed willing to do after uh, January 6th was to say, man, this is really something we should probably look at here uh, when it comes to just letting the vice president decide this thing. Right, and they should also – I mean it should be – you know, broad support for anything where, like, uh, anything that we thought was a ceremonial duty, but it's not actually written that way, like where they actually give some either wiggle room or there's some ambiguity, just ban down those uh, procedures, you know, in case of a future weather event comes about, like what we had in 2020, where let's test the waters and let's see what we can get away with. You don't want that to constantly happen because it's going to erode trust in the whole system. Uh, You need to lock it in. Uh, Schumer also has a marijuana legalization bill. And instead of just being a bill that says we won't federally deal with marijuana any longer in any meaningful way and we will let the states decide, it's a 300-page monstrosity that includes a great deal of handouts for like equity programs to make sure that the the right people get into the marijuana business, specifically like people of color and that sort of thing. 
And so it is a marijuana legalization bill that is couched in a great deal of sort of social justice nonsense. And I will uh, – spoiler here, that will not pass out of right. this Senate. But I do think that a federal descheduling of marijuana could have passed out of this Congress. Yeah, and why if, not just take that? If, just if take Schumer had been willing to do it, but instead it is full of the typical sort of – I mean – just progressive garbage that you would imagine could be piled into a bill like this, making it fundamentally impossible for any Republicans to support. Right. And I, I'm sure I've said, made this stupid sports analogy before, but like the the one obnoxious thing about the Democratic leadership and also some of the uh, some of those on the left is like they think, you know, they're like trying to run like a flea flicker on a third and one. It's just like, just get the one yard. Just, just run it. Get the most simple play call. Move the chain, live to fight another day. And it's just like this, climate change. We're not going to save the fucking world right. with, a, yeah. with a bill out of Congress to legalize weed. Like, we could just legalize weed, right. and then the world <laughs> will be a demonstrably better place because right, right. Uh, fewer people will be interacting with the state in a violent way because the uh, fucking federal cops can't come bang your goddamn door down because you have an ounce of weed. Like, it's just, it's just way better if that was the right. world that we were in. And we don't have to... We don't have to solve 240 or 400 years going back to 1619 of racial inequity in this country. Like that's not right. shouldn't be the goal. Like stay in your goddamn lane and, and also legalize weed. Goal, right. And also that goal, just be realistic, that goal's not available when it's 50-50. If it was 56, you know, 44, whatever, if, if the spread in the Senate was all, you know, we have a pretty solid majority and all we need is just like some northeastern Republicans and Mitt Romney. Then you can get it, but you barely have it. Right, you know, and instead you draft a marijuana legalization bill that Rand Paul can't even sign. Right, right. like, like, and <laughs> yeah. and fuck Rand Paul to be clear. But like, right. it's hard to imagine drafting a legalization of marijuana bill that Rand Paul wouldn't get behind, and like, right. there's no way that he could support this one. Right, that's past. You know, there's the what this 300 page thing is like out of reach. The uh, federal legalization. It, it, this current Congress out of reach, if decriminalization was to be had, just have it. And then you see some progress and you can kind of build momentum. And maybe in the next Congress or the Congress after that, after you have some goodwill buy-in by some of the people in the middle, we're like, okay, once you get your numbers up, then you can do the bigger stuff. But you don't have enough votes to do these pie-in-the-sky stuff. I mean, they're right. great, but – you just don't have the votes, and it's kind of naive also, to pretend that you, uh, you I'm not, it's not clear to me that it's great, that it's important that, like, the right kind of person is required to go into the marijuana selling business like that. Right. It, they probably should do – I don't know what you could do, but I mean, it's kind of ridiculous that for all these years this was made into this big thing, and now people just swooping in. But there's not much you could do about that. Just live – it's like we fucked up for 50 years. What are you going to do? Speaking I mean, of that's- this is a slight digression. I read a profoundly stupid article in Slate today about, no, you, about Slate? how <laughs> anytime somebody's complaining about the smell of weed, that they're doing a racism and that they're nostalgic for a time. Like it is just sort of, I don't know, I'll post the link, I guess. But it is a utterly nonsense article about how people who complain about cities being and i've done it like i've walked through like we were walking around dc for the nats game a couple weeks ago or last week and like at one point we just walked through a giant fucking cloud of weed right uh, near some homeless people and of course nobody's going like it's 
it's weird because it's like federal land technically. <laughs> it's, it's legal there. But it's legal. <laughs> right, but it's it's in complete it's just a bizarre situation where federally it's completely it's a schedule 1 drug and completely illegal. But in so DC the, yeah. The the argument they're making uh, this article that you read you can't you can't resist you're like the moth to a flame uh, you got to read that article they're saying it's coded language like some sort of racial thing like wh- what is the thrust of the argument Hang on let me find it cuz I closed it cuz I was so mad at it It's just <laughs> like, I mean, like it used to smell like cigarettes everywhere all the time Right how weed smell became a potent boogeyman of american decline Weed smell has taken up a prime place in the array of signifiers certain people invoke when describing city life in 2022. Cities, they say, are full of unhoused people, feces on the streets, trash, and, well, weed smell. Many of these complaints, subtly or not so subtly, invoke the racist beliefs Mm. about who smokes weed that helped drive harsh anti-marijuana laws in the first place. In truth, white people smoke at about the same rates as black people. First of all, it is not clear to me at all that complaining about the smell of weed is racially coded. And also, this bummed me out for as long as I can remember when I, as a pizza delivery boy or after that, as a pizza delivery manager. From a pizza delivery from, boy. That's right. I worked my way up. <laughs> to a pizza delivery man. Uh, <laughs> was there a ceremony? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I handed over every last bit of my shred of dignity and autonomy. (laughs) They made me a man. That was really great. (laughs) It has always bummed me out when somebody opened their apartment door and it's a cloud of fucking weed smell in there. Not for any particular reason in terms of like, oh, what are you doing to your kids with the secondhand smoke or or anything, or, or that like people who get high can't also be good parents. It was never that. It was... You are begging to interact with the state in a profoundly negative way right now, inviting strangers to your house. And to say nothing of the fact that you're in a relatively confined space where all of your neighbors can smell what the fuck is going on right now. So it's not just the fact that you're inviting the, the delivery boy to your house who could be some sort of an awful narc. Who, if you do, And then you don't fucking tip, which, believe me, like I'm not trying to say that I was ever tempted <laughs> to call the police on these people. But holy shit, if you're going to have like four naked children running around your living room with a cloud of blue marijuana smoke hovering over the couch that could be smelled from like literally my car as I pull up on the sidewalk you should probably slide the pizza boy a few bucks (laughs) you idiot in their defense they're a little high yeah that was the aspect of it that bummed me out. It's like you're just begging to be to have a negative interaction with the state and go to fucking jail, and then what happens to these four fucking kids? They won't even uh, they won't even have the marijuana smell to remember you by. But that wasn't racist. That was just like you know bad fucking parenting. I've it, I've, I've heard a lot of people uh, point to this marijuana smell thing. Like I think the mayor of New York said something like that. I think it smells like weed uh, there. Yeah, people were complaining about. Uh, uh, I guess uh, smelled like uh, the trash or whatever. He's like, no, it doesn't smell like trash or garbage. It smells like weed. Right. Yeah, it weed smells thing. like weed. It, no, I was just there. <laughs> yeah. And it smells like weed. Yeah. Which is better than the trash and urine that I remember yeah, better, it smelling yes. like. Yeah. I don't know. Who yes. also, who is complaining? Who is this article about? 
It's who, about people who complain about the smell of weed in cities, who and therefore are these people. The, I, I don't. Who is complaining to this person, or who? Yeah, they're complaining about the complainers. Yeah, but who are the I complainers? Don't know, like, who's yeah. complaining? Uh, white people, obviously. But like, to who? <laughs> like, mayor. are they writing the? I don't know. Uh, back to my what will happen in Congress or not. Uh, I think the last one here that we will do is related to congressional stock trading. So every couple of years, there's an insistence that Congress is finally actually going to do something on stock trading, and then they pass some garbage laws that the rules largely go ignored or broken, and then the result of that is just minimal hand slaps as a as a punishment. Uh, before we say whether or not uh, Nancy Pelosi's House is going to pass this congressional stock trading ban, uh, which uh, they won't. But before we say whether or not that's going to happen, I want to read this story quickly. Uh, an ex-Republican congressman, Stephen Beyer, who profited off of uh, a couple of different major stock sales to the tune of $335,000. It's only worth uh, mentioning the specifics because it's just sort of hilariously pathetic what he was trying to do. Which is he went golfing with a with somebody who worked for T-Mobile and found out that uh, this is the SEC. The Securities and Exchange Commission alleges that during a Miami golf trip in March of 2018, a T-Mobile executive told former Indiana Congressman Steve Beyer that the company was planning to acquire Sprint. Beyer was being paid a consulting fee to lobby on behalf of T-Mobile, which first of all. <laughs> Like, that's just a statement of fact that itself should be, like, I had to read it three times to make sure that they weren't talking about the T-Mobile executive who was being paid to do lobbying of Congress, but instead it was Bayer being paid, a cons- the recent member of Congress yeah, who yeah. was being paid a consulting fee to lobby on behalf of T-Mobile. That's not the illegal thing that was happening here. To be clear, uh, the executive had received instructions from T-Mobile to begin outreach to T-Mobile's core consultants, including Bayer, regarding the acquisition of Sprint. Okay, so he got insider information that T-Mobile was about to buy Sprint, and he went he went around buying up five hundred sixty-eight thousand dollars worth of Sprint stock using his personal accounts, a joint account he held with his cousin, and the account of a romantic partner, not his wife. He was married, but he was using the account wow. of his romantic partner. He didn't help out his wife with uh, with this inside information. What an well, asshole! We'll get to her in a moment. Oh, uh, when news of the acquisition finally broke the next month, uh, buyer sold all of his. Sprint stock for a $107,000 profit. So that's just a quick 100 k that you can make just because you went golfing with the T-Mobile guy. Uh, in an attempt to cover up the illegal trades, Bayer then printed out a document published by a group called Zach's Investment Research about Sprint and made handwritten notes on the document to create the false impression that he had made the trades as a result of that report. <laughs> Not illegal information from a T-Mobile executive. So he went online and Googled up some stock tips from the last few weeks and printed them out and then made notes upon them to make it look like he had made a, a pre-golf outing decision right. to buy this stock uh, based on his brilliant analysis of right. the market rather than the insider information that he got on the golf course. That was what was uh, particularly amusing to me about that. Is his method of covering up 
seems very like, you know, the way that we always, like Donald Trump was always marking up newspaper articles with yeah. a Sharpie and that yeah. sort of shit. So what this guy was doing. All right. Uh, the other thing that he did, which is when you mentioned the wife, might as well finish with this. Uh, the next year, buyer purchased more than a million dollars worth of stock in a management consulting company called Navigant Consulting, which the former congressman had heard was going to buy one of his consulting clients, Guidehouse, another management consulting company. This time, buyer not only used his own account and the rom romantic partner's account, but his wife's account and a joint account he held with his wife and son. Which he uh, ended up profiting another quarter of a million dollars off of the sale of that stock when that deal went through. Wow. So that's the sort of thing that these scumbags in Congress can do. Uh, this one was particularly flagrant. And oh, by the way, he did the same, the same cover up. He printed out an article from the internet and <laughs> and <laughs> pretended like that was where he got the hot Man. stock tip, rather He's than any insider information. Very lazy. I don't know if they've done any polling on this, but you know, in this uh, divisive uh, environment, you don't think you don't think that it would be in the ninety percentile of people supporting some legislation to stop this like it doesn't matter how far on the left or the right you are or in the middle like who's for this uh, members of congress yeah, are for other this other than eh? the <laughs> members of congress themselves like this is the one i can't imagine any like average citizen being like yeah freedom let them participate in the marketplace even though they have privileged information right like i can't imagine there's anybody out there who would be for it so it's like i know that the people who are making the decisions are for it but no one else it's not a right. it's not like an issue that could be raised in when i run for office blah 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 like, that's not a thing yeah it comes up and there's a there's a sizable comes up for, there's for, a sizable for, delegation of democrats who want to actually get this done but it absolutely will not get done largely because Leadership is not remotely interested in in even scheduling discussion of it. Like it's right. on it's on Zoe Lofgren's desk, and there's no way that it's going to ever make it off of her desk between now. There's a there's like a very slight chance, I guess, that they might vote on it sort of as a messaging bill, basically, in like December. Like that's my guess for the the best case scenario for this bill is that it actually does pass out of the house, but it passes out of the house so late that it never makes its way across the floor to the Senate, and Schumer certainly wouldn't vote on it in a lame duck session uh, before he hands the reins over to McConnell. And the Republicans, sure as shit, aren't about to go to bat on a congressional stock trading ban anytime but soon. But that's, that's the thing. Uh, people will take individual cases and for partisan reasons make a big hay out of it, like with Pelosi or her husband or whatever, which is great, but like, if that's the only reason why you bring it up, like you're actually not going to do anything about it, right? You're just using it just for political, you know, red meat, and then you'll move on. Like if the bill ever actually came up, those same people who are shitting on what Pelosi did wouldn't actually vote for anything to do anything about it. It's just like a thing you make a point out of, and you you take advantage of it the same way she does and other members of Congress do. It's very cynical, the whole thing. Right. The thing that Pelosi did is not anything in particular that you can point to, but she has a net worth of uh, like $140 million or something along those lines. And that is in part a result of the fact that her husband is a he's a stock man. He's a he's a trader. He made his fortune. Also a fan of uh, the alcohol on occasion. Yeah. In the markets. And it. Yeah, there's not a chance, obviously, that this gets this gets done, even though it's something that, as you said, I guarantee you there's some supermajority of Americans who believe that 
politicians should not be trading stocks. And it and it's it's another one that's like you need three lines in the bill. You don't need any. There's yeah. nothing to study. There's nothing to figure out. It just it can say one of two. It can either say members of Congress are prohibited from making trades in the public stock market, or it can say you have to dump all of your money into a blind trust that is actually right. managed by the House Ethics Committee or something like that. Right. right. That's overseen by the House Ethics Committee, and it's just a blind total market fund where you make money on the back of American capitalism or you lose money on the back of American capitalism while you serve in office. Right. And and it'll have the added benefit of for those financially motivated types, which is probably all of them uh, in office, they will be disincentivized from being there for like 40 years, right? Because if you're able to get to 100 million plus in public office, then you're going to be there forever. Why Why even bother leaving? But if it's if it if it constrains you in any way financially, you'll be there for a few terms and right. then move do on. The, do the honorable Al Gore method, where you leave office with like less than a million dollars to your right. name, and then ten years later, you're worth a fucking quarter billion right. dollars outside. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. if you be a, be a scumbag who who takes all of the things that he learned as yeah. in, in forty years of public service and trades in on that in order to make a quarter of a billion dollars, by all means, go nuts. Right. But while you're in the building, you, it shouldn't be allowed, and it's super. Super right. fucking obvious. Right. It's super obvious, and yet they're going to continue to kick it down the road, and no one's going to do anything about it. All right. Um, I'm tired, and the kids need to go to bed. I know. We'll do one more thing here, uh, and it will not be whether or not Elon Musk broke up the marriage of Sergey Brin of Google. Although he has impressively filled the hole of Trump on Twitter, which uh, is like his role in the culture right now. It's, everything revolves around Elon now. Does he have some sort of uh, undisclosed bread his seed strategy? I don't think it's undisclosed. He's, he's making <laughs> like, but, a lot of kids out there. <laughs> but uh, is it like some sort of thing? Like, I am so great that under different environments, my kids will grow up to be little Elons. Like, well, I apparently, names, I didn't so read I the story, them. but the headlines told me that people were after his dad's sperm as a sperm donor. So, so that they could make more potential Elon babies in the world, because that's what we need. Is Dad the weirdo with the Have family they thing? Have ever met brothers? Like, it's not the same. <laughs> yeah, you can't really plan things that way. <laughs> All right, yeah, so the only other thing that I want to talk about today is this study that came out last week. So I will read this headline from The Hill from last week, which is about a study that was released out of University College of London, which was an umbrella review of past meta-studies about whether or not depression is caused by a chemical imbalance in the brain. The, the conclusion of this study, according to the people who wrote it, is that depression is likely not caused by a chemical imbalance in the brain, that uh, a relative lack of serotonin in the brain is not actually predictive of whether or not an individual is going to have depression or, or diagnosable psychiatric official depression, right? Right. This got a moderate to large amount of play in right-wing media, and it got a relatively small amount of play in mainstream and leftist uh, media. When I went that night after I waited... 12 or 14 hours after I saw the first headlines about this. 
I went to Twitter and I searched the phrase depression study. And the only thing that came up was a bunch of right wing goddamn grifters talking about this story rather than any uh, mainstream outlets like Jack Posobiec and our, our buddy Matt Walsh uh, among the, the worst purveyors. Oh my God, do you think he'll come on the show? Because my initial reaction to reading about this study, because uh, I think that the Drudge article linked to like The Guardian or something like that, and then yeah. I saw this story on The Hill, which is sort of leans right, or I think center right is where they would you would find them on one of those political compasses. But I wanted to find the defense like the, from the other side. Like that's how stupid like this right. situation is, is where what I knew that I needed to do right away, even before I realized that the Posobiecs and the Walshes of the world had decided to take up this cause, was that I needed to find the alternative viewpoint to what this study is actually saying, right? Because it can't just be the fact that the right-wingers have got it right in this case. Right. And still, the New York Times, as far as I can tell, I've made a few searches over the last week, has not published word one about this study. And I didn't see anything in the post either, although I wasn't watching that as closely. Is it possible um, that they're doing their own looking into instead of just Yeah, absolutely, relaying. certainly possible. There's no... They're trying to... Fa- they're doing what you're doing, probably. Right. Also, now, just just to be clear, the reason why this story is interesting because the the whole premise of a lot of the drugs that people currently take for depression and anxiety hinges on the belief that low serotonin levels you can tweak that so that people don't feel depressed or anxious or whatever right is that the thinking like so if that's, so not that's true, the then- thinking and the reason that that's the thinking is because that's how these drugs specifically these ssris have been sold to the public for right. the last 20 plus years, right? Right. That there's, there's literally, you could see advertisements of like, and you know, fucking pharmaceutical ads are notoriously fucking like both silly and shitty despite the amount of money that goes into them. But like, there would be like animated, an animated like, the Sarah, Zoloft guy who's sad. Right, there's like a, a sad cloud over another sad cloud, and then they show in a, a picture of a serotonin yeah. receptor that, like, it's sad because it doesn't have a friend, and then, they and like, the fucking serotonin comes in, and the, the neuron mates with the other neuron, and now everybody's <laughs> happy again. Like, really, like, reinforcing this idea that a chemical imbalance is what's going on here. Right. And that if you can just chemically rebalance your brain chemistry then your depression will be cured and what's weird is that some of the pushback to this article and and to the study that the the study that came out and then what the people who wrote the study had to say about it some of the pushback against it was you're saying something that we as an industry as a psychiatric professional class have sort of known or accepted a long time ago, which is that depression isn't just about, if, if it's not entirely not about a serotonin imbalance, then it certainly isn't just about that, right? That not right. all people who have an imbalance of serotonin in the brain are depressed, and not all people with perfect serotonin levels are not depressed. That those are, that, that depression is a bigger question than that. But the, the, reason that this becomes such a big deal is because the app like the anytime this is talked about in the broader culture and especially how it's pushed from pharmaceutical companies is 
the chemical imbalance theory, right? right? Because it's just so fucking easy. And it's like, oh, I have a chemical imbalance. And there is something pleasing if you – I suspect if you had one of these things, it's like, oh, that's what it is. There's, uh, the number to little off and – Well, yeah, because what people say is, oh, just snap out of it. Just yeah. like it's not so bad. And if you can say I'm not able to do that right. the same way that my blood pressure is high – and right. there's nothing you can't snap out of high blood right. pressure. Right, but it's also it's it's sort of similarly insidious to say, "Oh, but you're taking the chemicals that make your brain better and you're still a miserable sack of shit." Right? <laughs> then then like then what's the then we have an accompli- then it, it's like it doubly reinforces the the negative thing on the backside as well. So like right. it's long article that I read in Vice today about this. Uh, headline, and I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes, the new study on serotonin and depression isn't about antidepressants. And so that, that, that headline itself makes a good point here, which is that one of the reasons that the Posobiecs and the Walshes were getting things wrong when they were discussing this is that this wasn't a study that really had anything to say about whether or not antidepressant SSRI medication has an impact on making people feel better. Right? right. This was just a question of whether or not the mechanism that they have long sold to the public as why these things work right. might be faulty. That, 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 that A might not necessarily connect to B. But this particular study didn't say whether or not it actually that, – that, that, that there was any reason to question whether or not these drugs actually have the desired impact, which is to make people less depressed. They were just saying that the underlying messaging behind these drugs, the way that they've been sold to us, is probably based on something that's not true. Right, right. You know, when I first read uh, this story, I was thinking, that's weird because that was my understanding too. But I was like, well, people are still benefiting from it so who cares how they get there they're there but then bob you showed me some of the side effects i was like holy shit i was not aware of all of the side effects that came with it these turns drugs. out that the problem is actually that these people didn't want to want to have sex and yeah. now that they've taken that away <laughs> Maybe that's, that's what it is the problem right so that's the thing is like the reason that it matters that there's truth in advertising in a in a now we're talking about this at a at a sort of meta level, but that's sort of where the conversation belongs. But like, right. if you're going to take a drug whose main side effects and very common side effects are emotional blunting, where you just don't feel things as much as you otherwise yeah. would, and also that you that that something like between thirty and ninety percent of people have some sort of sexual dysfunction as a result of taking these drugs for a long time. A result that, by the way, a, a side effect that doesn't go away when necessarily it doesn't go away when you stop taking it. That oh, it can boy. that these side effects can persist for years. Irreversible sexual dysfunction. Well, they, don't, you sh- they don't push right. that in the ads. Right, you should have a fuller picture of what's actually going on here, right? And right. because they're relatively new class of drugs, there aren't any long-term studies about what the the potential impacts are. And it like right. it did uh, I will acknowledge that this study and the coverage that I saw around it, not from the worst least yeah. good faith people in the world, but even from the the more mainstream outlets that covered this, I will acknowledge that this tickles my priors bone in a way that was pleasing to me, right? Which is that I sort of have a automatic rejection of 
psychiatry and as a general pursuit, but also specifically uh, this notion that you can medicate yourself with pharmaceuticals to a better, more whole version of yourself, simply because it's not been my impression of when I talk to people who have been on these drugs, when, I, when my, I've had friends who were not on antidepressants who then go on antidepressants, I can see the difference in personality. And I like recognize that like- a zombie-like kind of thing? Like you, what, you notice, or what, what do you notice that's different? I'm sorry, I missed the first part of the question. Like, is it like a zombie-like kind of like, behavior or you just they're just a little off or what is it you I mean if you wanted to caricature it then you could say it's a zombie like behavior but it, it is it's a it's a deadening it's a leveling of things it's it takes the peaks and the valleys away let's say but that's they it's that they haven't found the right one yeah perhaps but yeah, the, maybe there's some tweaking that's needed you know there's a Get lot the right of dosage. tweaking that a lot of yeah. people spend years getting their Fine. dosage and right like i said i acknowledge that i believe that there's if there's a place for antidepressant medication, it is. It should be a, a very short-term place and that it should be part of a, a holistic fucking life makeover that involves a great deal of getting out in the sun and, and walking and And do, therapy. And, and doing lots things. of therapy. And, yeah, sure. And, and therapy. And fucking and that, feelings And that to a sounds stranger. silly. That sounds silly and, and it can be easily dismissed as almost like woo-woo nonsense, but like Fucking getting out in the world and moving around in the sunshine fucking matters to people's general health, and it's just it's just true. Right, but the general idea here is that this study is not uh, actionable information, right? If you're on medication, stay on the medic. You know, talk to your doctor. Right, right. I'm not, and I, I would, by no anything. means would I suggest that people right. automatically just stop taking their fucking drugs or what have you. But what we we have when we're talking about SSRIs, we're talking about a, the drug that is prescribed to 18 to 50 year olds more than any other drug in America, and that uh, something like 10 to 15 percent of Americans over the age of 12 are at any given time are on these SSRI medications and they've been sold, they've been sold to us as a way of uh, fixing a chemical imbalance in our brains in order to make us less depressed. And that doesn't appear to be like, there's good reason to believe that that's not actually the thing that causes depression. Especially when, if they could just take a bunch of mushrooms once. Right. We've been, we've been (laughs) watching the the Netflix show with the the Michael Pollan show, uh, how to change your mind. And yeah, you just take – you could be a complete fucking crazy person who has to like check the oven 77 times before they walk out the door for the day. And then you take mushrooms one time and everything's all better. Yeah. I don't know. It's got a great, great fucking medical system we have here. This is all going really right. well. Now the bright – that is what's exciting about that Michael Pollan show is that every little bit of new – like every time he gets to the end of the episode, it's like – but we're changing this awful regime that yeah, we've been under for the last better. 100 years. Like it's, right. He keeps pointing to ways in which uh, we're actually getting smarter on, on dealing with these sorts of things. And I, like I, I, again, I recognize my own preconceived ideas here about these drugs and my, my negative reaction to them is, is coloring my understanding here to a certain extent. Uh, but do I do you- wish that there was... Because this Vice article, and I, like I said, I'll link to it. This Vice article is not what I was hoping to find in the New York Times. Like, it's much right. more strident. It's much more like we need to. And it's funny to me, a lot like Vice is supposed to be like uh, the, the publication with attitude, right? Like, if you were going to do a corny way of summarizing what Vice is, it right. was supposed to be Gen X's 
sort of uh, like fuck the man. We're going to do journalism the way that the youths want journalism done, sort right. of thing. And they consistently fall into defending the status quo because right wingers have bad ideas, right. right? And that's not a good reason to def- because right wingers have bad ideas. It's not a good reason to defend the status quo unless you're very confused about like what right wingers are uh, and and who generally gets to hold what the status quo is. So what I wanted to see was a, a more thorough and even handed discussion of what this study actually means, uh, and I'm I'm hoping that some more mainstream outlets will will take up that cause you, in the do, weeks to come. Do you think uh <laughs> do you think there's a, a large portion of people that are hoping for retractions in 3 months like this they, they just would rather that, that some faulty Yeah, surely there's just a mistake here. When when the reality is like we should probably be super mad at the pharmaceutical industry, right? right? I mean, there was another study that apparently there was another uh, with Alzheimer's. There was some sort of base this protein impact. I don't know. uh, Right, a foundational study in the last like 30 years of Alzheimer's research turns out to be total fucking bunk. Right, and some of the, the drugs that are coming to market now are basically like. A coin flip as far as how effective they are because they're basing it on this faulty premise. Uh, so I do wonder if uh, the people who uh, never take e- each issue as a standalone issue, they're worried about the concern for the trust that people have in the medical science community because people are already starting to mistrust or distrust. Okay, but like that's not things. the way to deal with it. Right? Right. There's not but, a, there's yeah. not there's not a right. partisan valence to this shit. Right. Science is hard and scientists get that shit wrong all the goddamn time. Right. And we right. need to find a way to have a discussion about that that, that that it's not in terms of like Matt Walsh wanting to do it on the culture war front. Right. And and, and that's I think you're absolutely right on that. Uh, on one hand, the certainty makes things easier. So the, the lean on certainty when there isn't certainty, or in some cases, but they'll need to say like this is definitely the right approach. No, but that's uh, how that's how scientists always are. They're like, ah, right. we figured it out. Yeah, that's but five hundred million light years away. Even, you right. don't fucking know. <laughs> it's not even how scientists. So scientists are fucking humble. Scientists right. have a great deal of humility. Not all of them, that, but yeah, that does it's not about, right. Right, but that, what I'm saying is, overwhelming majority humble, recognize the limitations of their knowledge and their experience. That's not how it translates to journalism, right? And it's certainly yeah. not how it translates to an advertisement on your television for the drug that the pharmaceutical company wants you to go talk to your doctor about. Right. And there's no there's no humility when the sales rep shows up at the doctor's house with uh, or at the doctor's office with a bunch of free <laughs> shit for the doctor either. There's no there's no <laughs> questioning on that end. In terms of uh, whether, like, the efficaciousness or the efficacy, rather, of of this drug or that drug, that's all just absolutely certain. Right. The new marching order should be: be more humble, be more honest. That's it. Don't do this other stuff of being very confident and pretending a con- contradictory study doesn't exist for a while. You know, like, just be honest. You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains. Eh? podcast with bob and ape find the show on facebook or twitter head on over to brainiron.com or castironbrains.com for a show note the opening and closing themes of the show were composed by mark gillig abe did you go to the movies this week i uh, i did go see this documentary in the theaters last week it was called fire of love i think i've seen a lot of these movies were like oh the the main character or characters are going to die because right. of their love for this 
nature thing, right? There was the one where uh, I, I like to climb like mountains, and then yeah, and then they fall. I did not see that one, but like all the other ones were like, I'm gonna climb this thing. He dies. Alpine. Grizzly Man is so fucking good. Grizzly Man is just spec fucking tacular. I love it. I somebody explained to me what that was about and i was like yeah i'm not gonna watch that like just, <laughs> the way that they described it to me i was like i have no interest in, but now i'm watching these other things like so this fire of love it's like this these volcanologists or whatever these people that are into volcanoes right this two people volcanologists Abe. yeah whatever bob they're from planet Those vulcan works. right so you know it's one of these uh meet cute you know they they in this world, they see each other, they fall in love, and they're going around different mountains waiting for shit to blow up. And one day, it blew up on their face, and they died, right? right? That's the extent of the movie. But throughout the whole movie, they're like, we love this. We wouldn't want to be doing anything else. And the whole time, I know they're going to die. So I read about this I read about this movie, and then I looked to see if that we could stream it because it seems like the sort of thing that would be fun to stream. And we can't yet, as far as yeah, I can tell. Yeah, it'll probably be by August they'll be available in, in the streaming. It didn't seem like it was getting a lot of play in the theater. They're like me and like, Five people. It said it was the best movie of the year, and I know there's some hyperbole <laughs> in these reviews. Was it? If did you enjoy like it? Die. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, you walk into the movie. I mean, the the first sentence of the description on IMDb is about how they die, and so the whole time I'm watching these people who I know are going to die, talking right. up volcanoes. I'm like, you fucking dopes. <laughs> this is <laughs> how you will die. Like, don't you see it? Is it? Uh, it's not built. Is it built around that conceit? Do you know? As a, if if you walked in blind, would you have known that these people were going to die? Blind, no, uh, all of the okay. narrator alludes to how they die. Because uh, yeah, I think it, the opening scene is like this is the day before they die or something, and they go right. back. Okay, yeah. Okay. So you do. So know. Yeah. It's yeah, but 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 you know they die doing what they loved. I don't know what to tell you, but like, right. I don't want to die that way. Nowhere around fire. <laughs> right. Anything else? Did you watch? No. Did you watch no, the was... Gray Man yet on Netflix? I did not watch the Gray Man. Uh, I'm gonna go see that new Jordan Peele movie, Nope, before I come up to see nice. you guys like this week. Uh, I heard mixed opinions on that movie. Very mixed opinions. Very uh, polarizing movie. It seems. But so the last one was. That's how movies are, like. Yeah, know. they should be. Yeah, I, I, if it's any Not good, everything's it, for everyone. It ought to be polarizing. I. What's funny is my main complaint with Get Out was the absolute reverence that was expressed for it when I was like, yeah, it was pretty good. I had my problems with it, and I would like to have an interesting conversation about what's good and bad with this movie. But instead, everyone's insisting that it's just perfect, which is weird. Right. So, someone, uh, I think it's unfair because this director is a lot shakier, uh, but like someone's like, if this Nope movie uh, uh, is also not good, uh, he's going to be N.I. Shyamalan. Right, basically, it's like he had one like solid open, and then but like he lo- oh. everybody liked that other one. Yeah, didn't people like us or them yeah. or what, what do they us. call it? Well, yeah. us is the last one that people were. At least some of the the people that I talked to, they did not like. I liked us fine. It wasn't as good as Get Out, but it, basically, they're like it's like sloppy kind of third act thing. So we'll gotcha. See. Like I had my problems with Get Out, but I would never go so far as to say that he's <laughs> M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> Although I will also say that, like, I'm a huge M. Night Shyamalan apologist. With <laughs> to, the, the to the point where I've seen The Lady in the Water, like, twice is, is like, I actually like I that like, one. I liked it. Yeah, See, the thing is, the like, happening I, is just fucking terrible. Yeah, the happening was real bad. And Signs was only good once. I haven't seen any of his comeback stuff. I haven't what seen was, it, like yeah, where he knew. allegedly got good again. For Split a, was like, decent. Uh, Split Old was decent. And 
Uh, yes, old we, was we haven't fan. seen any of that. Yeah. What was the movie where like somebody was blind and he they're, they're living in some weird I forget the name, but like he had blind? a lot of weird movies. That's not him. There was a movie where like they took the one blind guy to go outside. Like they lived in this weird community. I'll have to come up with the name. Oh, it, the yeah, that one wasn't the village good. or the uh, village or something. Yeah. He wasn't yeah. blind, I don't think, but it wasn't good. Yeah, the village yeah. was that the one where like they just they They're live Amish. they live next to the highway is yeah. the big spoiler <laughs> at the end. They're <laughs> Amish, basically. <laughs> There are like monsters in the woods, but it, they're it's just, just cars. Just, yeah, it's fucking movie. I tell that you, was silly too. M. Night Shyamalan has like a, a great like elevator pitch, but he can't stick the landing. Like some of his concepts of the, if you listen, like if, I can see how he sold some of these movies, but like I forget. The I want to say it was it was like when I went to go see like The Dark Knight Rises or something like that. It was roughly that time, but a preview comes up, and it. And it's a full theater, right? So this is some big movie premiere, and it was a full theater, and the preview starts, and it, it just text pops up on the screen. It says, from the mind of M. Night Shyamalan. And the whole theater laughs. No. Like, oh, it's a bad sign. It's oh a really bad sign. We've turned on M. Night. Oh, and no, wow. I, no one knew that it happened, but everybody knew that it happened. It's very strange. Uh, yeah, I want to see that. There's a lot of movies that I've wanted to see that we just I just haven't ever bought that monthly pass from the Alamo because it hasn't felt like the right time. But hopefully, I'll get to see that. Uh, we just watched the next episode of HBO's. Yeah, I went in a cave. I watched. I watched a movie. I watched Moneyball. Oh, nice with Brad Pitt. Yep. Nice. Aaron Sorkin production. With my dad. Right? Yeah. It was Look good. The. Yeah, I didn't watch anything. Lori took the kids to her it was dad's nice. I for sat a night. Quietly with my dad, and we watched a movie. And my dad didn't complain about it once. <laughs> what are you saying? It was just a change, uh, different, different yeah. kind of night for me. I watched while Lori was gone. I watched a few up. Ep- I'd never seen the old uh, Comedy Central show Nathan for You, and since oh, yeah. you had said that you were watching his new series, which I wanted to watch with Lori. I thought I could get away with watching Nathan for You, which is available on HBO Max, I believe. How do you like his awkwardness? It's very uncomfortable, and I know that's the whole <laughs> that's the whole point. It's a strange little diversion in the comedy family tree of yeah. people being like that willfully awkward in front of like real human beings. Yeah. And like it, it's sort of of a piece with like Billy Eichner, like the the screaming at people on the street yeah. guy. Name any it's, woman or whatever. Right. <laughs> Which very funny. It's just funny sometimes, but also like after a while, it's sort of the same thing. And I understand that Nathan for you is like a very well regarded show, and it's not just pure cringe comedy nonsense. Right. Uh, I do wonder if some of the uh, well regard is because it's so different than the typical stuff you know they're like oh this is trying a different approach and it's not always like funny it's always just like what the hell are you doing man like right. these weird ideas he comes up with yeah it's fine like i said we watched an episode the latest episode of the anarchists and we watched another episode of the psychedelics show the anarchists are pissing me off yeah <laughs> I, I i did not care for them the guy, I've only seen there's the first a guy episode. wearing like a chicago is it cubs or white Sox shirt 
Like, if you're going to be an anarchist, you yeah. don't get to participate in co- pop culture. <laughs> That's Sorry. <right. laughs> like, oh, it makes me so mad. Oh, man. Well, they those shouldn't people... get to have any pop culture. No, they could... Because you could still have freedom of association to form leagues like baseball and root for teams in that way. If you're an anarchist, no. that's fine. I will say that my initial prediction about that show, which is that there's going to be a bunch of dead people, yes. is... I'm hoping it's not for yet, it, I mean. It's yeah. not yet come to fruition, but at the end of episode two, the girl says, yeah, things got weird, like murder weird. And so there's, we're going to get some bodies here, I think, in the next episode, which is good. You should, they, if you're into freedom of doing whatever, murder should be one of those things you absorb. It's just the cost it, of uh, no, freedom. That's, you know? that's, yeah, cost that's of doing it. business. That's right. It is. We hey. also watched more. We watched the MDMA episode of the drug oh, show. Nice. Yeah, which, by the way, and predictably, I'm sure, was less convincing to me than the other episodes were because, mm, like. Dumb. It's maybe it is because I'm dumb, but also MDMA is drug that just synthesizes serotonin and just floods the brain with a whole bunch of right. fucking serotonin. I don't know. Like, of course, it has well, the effect maybe, that it has. Like, but. The, it's so interesting because people who are depressed are annoying to be around. Yeah, that's and true. bummers and tend to not be very empathetic and they only care about themselves. So the maybe it's a side effect of the serotonin, yeah, uptake, sure, whatever yeah, that I makes agree. them tolerable. Maybe people should have some ecstasy in addition to or, or instead of their Zoloft or what have you. That's well, like, plausible to me, especially if it fucking works and you only have to do it, it like twice and then you're done. Like that would be that would be cool. Isn't that what the the mushroom thing seems? To, see, it seems to be like a no, that's if you different. took a little bit of it, it'll just kind of sort you out. Well, the microdosing I- with the mushrooms is different. But, yeah, that doesn't work because of serotonin. Ecstasy works because of serotonin. Right. Abe, you're coming up here this weekend. You're going to spend right. the weekend with us and the kids. What are we going to do? You know, the usual. Chit-chat. Just Talk chit-chat. deep into the night about things <laughs> that we absolutely will have no memory of, like, <laughs> three hours later. And actually, there's... We, just, we could just record the right. whole visit. Right. Yeah. Just put up 48 uninterrupted hours of cast iron brains. Yeah. <laughs> a weekend in the life. I don't know what we'll do. Maybe we'll, like, try to go visit, like, Montpelier or Monticello or something. Go Monticello see. Monticello would be fine. Madison's. Monticello fills up, though. Although it's going to be so fucking hot. It won't be pleasant. Oh, is it cute? Ah, it's just July. Well, anyway. All right, Abe, you uh, got anything else for us tonight? Nope. I guess that's all we got for tonight, then. We will talk to you next time. Later. I can't believe we didn't talk about the fucking owl. You, that owl killed that lady. We, you brought it up. <laughs> no, it got, but you didn't it, talk. Did you zoom in on the picture? I saw I, that mean-looking owl, yeah. So the, the thing, again, with the owl theory is that why wasn't the husband pushing that from the jump? Like, if that there because was a past instant? But an owl. no, there's no way that that was the very first time there was an interaction with an owl and it led to her death. It must have been like <laughs> swooping down. I like, like how I, you're the reason that it can't have been an owl is because it had not up to that point constantly been an owl. Yeah. That doesn't make any goddamn <laughs> no, sense. What I'm saying is, why, why the, didn't this one in a billion thing that happened once in a billion times <laughs> happen all the fucking time uh, before I, I, then? 
owls, I imagine, are fair. They'll swoop in, give you a little warning, hey, stop <laughs> fucking around. Ridiculous. And then if you don't heed their warning, they'll come back for a second time. This is the very first time it happened? I find that hard to believe. No, the picture that I sent was the client of mine told me, I saw him last Saturday, and he said a friend of his who lives on the same street as that family, Yeah. he said that, like, a couple weeks ago, he was jogging, and a fucking owl, he, like, felt something, and then he saw a bird fly away. So this was the second time, and he got a picture of it. Ah, and it does fit in with the odd behavior by animals thing, so maybe there is a... The look on that owl's face, I will kill your wife and frame <laughs> you for it. Probably global warming. <laughs> That's right. I will kill your wife and frame you for it, is what it looks like. It's too bad out, owls aren't smarter because they'd be able to appreciate the consequence of their actions, you know. I don't think they know that the husband is being railroaded by their actions. There are moments of interacting with the content mall where, like, the, the sheet is pulled back and it, the, the bankruptcy of the entire enterprise of all of political talk is, is revealed for what, what it is, which is just – it's completely disconnected with reality. It's all just a, a political game where people jerk each other off all day long. I, I wonder if they'll ever come to that realization too and they'll stop. You know, Like, what are we doing? Well, they have very highly motivated reasons yeah, to not true. come to that particular realization. Anyway, you yeah. should listen to Sullivan's podcast even though he can be annoying – he has people on who... Who are also annoying. Who, but but like, he has actual like vehement disagreements with, and right. they just have two-hour-long conversations, and they well, are still friends at the end. Like, right. and it's, you don't get that literally... You get that almost literally nowhere else. And it's right. funny that it comes from Andrew Sullivan, who's been painted on Twitter every day as a racist, bigot, total inhumane piece of shit for his views on certain things. Right. Anyway...